0: I want to take this opportunity and welcome everyone to the services and uh, appreciate uh, the young people and their efforts all week. And I know we are to the end of a long week, and I can hear voices are tired. Uh, my voice is tired, and uh, I see some of these young men get up and lead songs. And you're worried about your voice cracking or or squeaking a little bit. That may happen to me tonight um, as I speak to you. And. Um, So forgive me if that that does happen. Uh, It's been a blessing uh, this entire week. And and hopefully through our studies of the evening, you have been able to get a greater understanding and perspective of the cross of Jesus. And uh, that song Brother Scott just led, Why Did My Savior Come to Earth? It's because of God's great love for humanity. And tonight I want you to understand that wasn't just God's love for his entire creation, but it was his love for you and your soul. And tonight we're going to study an individual that, um, if you think about what we've studied thus far, we studied about the Apostle John and the friend of Jesus who was there to the bitter end. We studied about Judas who found himself off away from the cross and ultimately tragically took his own life because of the guilt and shame of his sin. We looked at the two thieves that were crucified beside Jesus and And the same state that Jesus was in. And then last night we looked at that loving mother. And the loss of her own child. And seeing him die in agony. And what she would have experienced. And if you paid attention at the very beginning of the lesson last night. I made a statement that Mary would have known Jesus longer than any other person on the face of this earth. And that was true. But tonight we're going to study an individual that actually knew Jesus for a lot longer than even Mary. And we're going to study about one who had nothing in his intent or desire except to destroy Jesus and the plan of salvation from God. And I want you to turn with me in Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to begin our study. So this first passage we'll we'll read from Luke chapter 10 and then we'll get into the lesson. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Jesus sends out the 70 on their mission. And it says, After these things the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest." Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And in whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick that are therein. Say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So he continues to go on there and explain to them their mission of going out and proclaiming this message of repentance for the kingdom of God was near. Well, guess what those 70 did? They went out and did that. And they come back to Jesus and return to him. And if you look at verse 17 of the same chapter, the Bible records the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen or fall from the earth, from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven." So these apostles and these disciples went out in that limited commission and they were able to heal the sick and they were even able to cast out demons and and they come back to just say, Jesus, look at what we can do. Even the devils, even the demons obey our voice through your name. That's an amazing power that you've given to us. And what did Jesus say? He said, listen, don't take pride in that. And he said, in fact... I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. Do you know Satan was an angel of God at one time? Satan was an angel that God had created to do his will. That he had created to be a servant of his in his heavenly kingdom. But you know Satan rebelled. And though the scriptures and what they reveal to us in detail are limited in some ways about uh, the details of that fall, we do understand that Jesus claimed that he witnessed that fall. Which tells us that Jesus pre-existed his earthly life when he came in the form of a human being. Well, we understand that to be true as he was the word. And in the very beginning of the creation of God, Jesus existed as the word. John chapter 1 clearly teaches us that. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh in verse 14 of John chapter 1. And what? Dwelt among us in the form of bodily as Jesus Christ on this earth. But I want to tell you, Satan knew Jesus from his creation. And Satan would have recognized the authority of Jesus. And I want to tell you tonight that Satan looked on at the cross with a great amount of care and concern with what was happening that day. And in many ways, I want to tell you, Satan thought he had won as he saw Jesus die on the cross. But if Satan had won that day, then we would be without hope, wouldn't we? And we would be wasting our time praising and worshiping a God that Satan was able to defeat and destroy. And I think it's important for us to study this topic of Satan and what he saw at the cross. Because there are a lot of people that might have the same perspective as Satan when they look and examine the sacrificial death of the Son of God. Luke 22 and verse 2. The chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Don't mistake it. Satan had a great amount to do with the deception and the lies and the corruption and all the things that the worldly powers did to put Jesus to death. But Jesus wouldn't have died except he laid down his life. Satan did not kill Jesus Christ. He sacrificed himself. And that's important. For us to understand, though Satan might have thought he had won, Satan might claim that victory of putting Jesus on the cross, the Bible is very clear that Jesus laid down his life. And Jesus even said, no man can take it, except I lay it down. So tonight, as we consider Satan, we consider his perspective of the cross, we're having to look at it through a deluded sense of truth. (laughs) Because I want to tell you, Satan has no truth in him. Satan had one ultimate goal. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 3. John writes, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, don't get so confused or caught up in the imagery here. Just look at the simple message of what John was writing here. And certainly he was writing to those seven churches in Asia Minor about the persecution they were going to suffer at the hands of the Roman Empire. But this gives us insight into the mind of Satan. As soon as the child Jesus was born, what was Satan's goal? Was to destroy him. Do we see that played out with, that, with the historical account and the, the scriptures that talk about what happened in the days that Jesus was born? Why did Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt? <laughs> because there was a king and a ruler who was looking to destroy the infant child Jesus. You know what Satan's goal is today? It's not to destroy Jesus because Jesus has already defeated any perceived power that Satan had because he was raised from the dead. But don't forget for a second that the Bible describes Satan and Peter specifically in 1 Peter that he describes Satan as a what? A roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know what Satan wants tonight? He wants your soul. And he wants the soul of anyone that he can deceive. He wants the soul of any person that he can get to buy into his lies. That he can get to live in a sinful lifestyle apart from God. Because all he can do is cause chaos in our life. And if he separates us from God it fuels his lustful desire and his rebellion against his creator and his God. And all he wants to do is destroy you and I. You realize that's our enemy. And there are spiritual powers at play in a spiritual war that's going on that though we may not see with our physical eyes, we have to trust and understand there's a battle raging and it's the souls of mankind that hang in the balance. And tonight, either your soul is secure in Jesus because you've been obedient to God or it's in the hands of Satan himself. And something I've learned about humanity is you pretty much know where you stand. If you're honest with yourself, if you'll do that spiritual evaluation and say, am I living the right kind of life? Am I being obedient to the will of God? Have I been obedient to the gospel? Have I been baptized into Jesus Christ so that he could wash my sins away? And if I haven't done those things, what's the alternative? See, Jesus taught there were only two ways. A narrow way that led to life eternal and a broad way that led to destruction. You see, Satan desired to destroy Jesus from his very beginning. In Matthew chapter 2, and verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, now remember the story, the wise men went to see Jesus, and Herod had told them, hey, when you find out where he's at, (laughs) come back and tell me so I can go worship him. Did Herod have any intention to go worship Jesus? No. And guess who knew that? God. So guess what God did? God sent a messenger to Mary and Joseph and and to those wise men. Number one, told the wise men, you don't go back to Herod. You go back into your country another way. And then he told Mary and Joseph, you take the infant child Jesus and you go to Egypt until I come and I call you to return to your homeland. And the reason why is because God knew Herod wanted to destroy Jesus. Well, who was behind that? Satan. And ultimately what did Herod do? What you to look at this passage. When he knew he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under. According to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. That's how badly Satan wanted to destroy Jesus. Is it Satan operating through this ruler, Herod, had every child under the age of two murdered? Let that sink in for a second. How many kids would we lose? That might be in the audience here with us tonight that are under the age of two. I think about our home congregation and congregations we travel and work with, and it's hard to even imagine that. But that's how desperate Satan was to thwart the plan of God and to destroy Jesus. Now, as Jesus was born, we've talked about him growing up and maturing and uh, growing in both wisdom and stature. After his baptism of John in the Jordan, he goes out and he's tempted, isn't he? After his fasting for 40 days, Satan comes to him and tempts him, doesn't he? Matthew 4 and verse 9 And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You see, Satan in his birth tried to have him murdered. And now during his life, as his ministry is in its inception, (coughs) what does Satan try to do? He tries to get him to be disobedient to God. And he tempts him. And he takes him up into this high mountain and he shows him the kingdom of the world and said, all this I'll give you. If you just fall down and worship me. You know what that tells me about Satan? He's crafty. He couldn't murder Jesus as an infant, so now he's transitioned to say, you know what? I'll appeal to his humanity and his weakness and his greed because Satan assumed that Jesus had the same thoughts and intents that Satan himself had. Because guess what? Satan had given up In his rebellion against God, he had given up a place in heaven. And Satan thought Jesus would be just like him. But what did Jesus say? Jesus says, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. And he withstood that temptation of Satan. Satan also wanted to to destroy God's plan. In Matthew 16 and verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Haven't we said that a number of times this week that Jesus told his disciples exactly what was going to happen? And look at verse 22. Peter took him, began to rebuke him. Do you imagine rebuking Jesus? (laughs) The gall of Peter, right? To take Jesus and rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. What's Peter saying? This isn't going to happen. I won't let it happen. What did Jesus say? But he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me. Who? Satan. Satan. Now, was he calling Peter Satan? (laughs) He wasn't necessarily calling Peter Satan, but what he was saying is what Peter was promoting would have gotten in the way of the redemptive plan of God. And the only one who wanted to get in the way of the redemptive plan of God was Satan. And he's saying, Peter, get behind me. Satan, you and your goals and your mission and what you think you can achieve... Get behind me. I know where I'm going. I know what I got to do. And I'm going to perform that which my father has put me on this earth to perform. He says, Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And he was telling Peter, Peter, there is something more valuable than even my physical life on this earth. And it's doing the will of God. And tonight we need to wake up and understand Satan is attacking us. Why do you think we want to spend this time with young people this week? And I know we had a great crowd of young people this year. We had close to 100, I believe. I hope we have 200 next year. I hope we have 300. Jeff and Brad are saying, I don't know about that. But here's why. As many young people as we can prepare for the reality of what's out there in this world, maybe, just maybe, we can save their souls from Satan's grasp. Is it worth it? Absolutely, because Satan wants you, and Satan will do whatever he has to do to get you to follow him. Now, he doesn't just come knock on your door and introduce himself, but he operates through the things in this world, and there's a lot of temptation out there. And I want to say this to the young people. The temptations you face today are no different than the temptations my generation faced. They're no different than the temptations the previous generation uh, endured. But I will say this. There is an availability of sinful actions that is very easily accessible today. Because Satan will put it right in front of your face and normalize it. And we have people in our country who want to promote those things. And put them in front of our face and tell us that it's normal and it's acceptable and that's just the way it is. And I want to tell you, that's Satan at work. And we have to be wise considering him. You know, Jesus was wise considering Satan, wasn't he? He knew the character of Satan. He knew his makeup. He knew what caused him to fall. In John 8, and verse 44, Jesus talking to those Pharisees, he says, You're of your father, the devil. As they were claiming to be of their father Abraham he said you're of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it whatever this world entices you with people realize it's a lie. If they tell you this bottle will bring you fulfillment and solve the problems of your life and numb the pain of what you're suffering with, it may momentarily, I want to tell you, the end of that is death. Drugs, alcohol, sex, all of those things Satan will utilize pride, ego, money, anything that he can put in front of you to pull you away from God, he will utilize. You know why? Because he's a murderer and a liar. Brother Anthony talked about being aware of the company you keep. We need to be aware of Satan. And if you're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God, I want to tell you something tonight, you have both feet in the world. You're either a disciple of Jesus or you are serving the carnal flesh in this world. There is no middle ground. And Jesus knew that. Don't compromise yourself. Don't compromise your standing with God because of your carnal earthly desires. Satan is a liar. Ultimately, Jesus would defeat Satan. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know what that tells me? Is though I live in the flesh and I'm tempted, through Jesus Christ, I can have victory. Because what was the intent and purpose of him coming? Was to destroy the works of the devil. The goal and the mission of Satan to ensure that God couldn't redeem humanity, Satan couldn't fulfill. And Jesus destroyed that power. Colossians chapter 2 puts it this way, verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now that's talking about that old code of Mosaical laws. That He took that out of the way, nailing it to His cross and giving us a new law of grace and mercy in the New Testament or the New Covenant. But look at verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers. Who's that? He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. That would have been in that spiritual realm with that battle going on. And those principalities and powers being angelic beings and authorities. As Jesus recognized Satan. Guess what? He's the ruler of this world. He has a lot of sway and influence in our earthly life if we allow it. But he said when Jesus died, he made a show of them, he exposed them, he exposed Satan. And guess what? He overcame him. Should you be afraid of Satan? I don't believe so. I think we need to have a healthy knowledge of the working of Satan, but we don't have to have fear of him if we have confidence in Jesus. Because Jesus triumphed over him. This begs a question. If Jesus' death, told you I was going to have a hard time tonight. If Jesus' death would bring about God's redemptive plan for humanity, this is a question I have, then why would Satan kill Jesus? Why would he want him to die? You ever wonder that? There's a lot of different ideas. I would propose three tonight. Number one, God made him do it, which I don't think is the case. I think God allowed angelic beings free will just as he allows us free will in this life. Number two, Satan couldn't help himself because all he could think of is in his carnality and his murderous thoughts and pride and ego, he saw the avenue to utilize the Roman authorities, to utilize the Jewish leaders, to get into the heart of uh, Judas to betray him and to utilize that to murder the son of God. And he just couldn't help himself because he so desired to murder and to kill and to destroy anything he could from God. Or Satan underestimated Jesus' resurrection. Don't know for sure. But I think it's still worthy of our consideration. But here's the fourth one What if Satan didn't know what was going to happen? I think sometimes we give Satan too much credit. We think he's omniscient. He's not. He doesn't know everything. He was created by God. He rebelled against God in heaven and God cast him out. And he came to this earth and he caused a lot of problems and continues to do that today. I want to tell you, he doesn't know everything. And I'll tell you this tonight. He doesn't get into your mind unless you open your mind to him. Now... You start living sinful lives. You start allowing your mind to wander off the things of God and focus on the things of this world and sinful behaviors and thoughts and patterns of thinking. I want to tell you, it can lead you down a very dangerous road. But Satan can't control you. He wants to destroy you, but he's going to operate through lust and temptation and sin. And I don't believe he knew everything that was going to happen. And as a murderer, he saw an opportunity to kill Jesus. And that's what he wanted to see happen. You know, Satan knew the scriptures. This is one of the most interesting things. In Matthew chapter 4, as he's tempting Jesus those three times after Jesus had fasted for those 40 days... The Bible says in verse 6, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash dash thy foot against a stone. Satan utilized Scripture (laughs) to try to manipulate Jesus. Now, his interpretation and utilizing of that Scripture was not appropriate, and Jesus said, You don't tempt the Lord thy God. You don't test him. There's no need. Because God is who he is. And Jesus wouldn't fall to this temptation. But Satan knew the scriptures. I want you to go back all the way to the garden. When Satan came to Eve and Adam in the form of a serpent. Weren't his first words. Yea, hath God said. Ye shall eat of every tree in the garden. He was quoting God. Asking that very question. And I believe he knew what God had told him. And he gave that response, what? Oh, we can eat of all the trees, but the tree that's in the midst of the garden, we shouldn't eat of it, neither shall we touch it, lest we die. And then Satan followed that up and said, thou shalt not surely die. He changed God's message by one word. And with that, caused humanity to fall into sin. He's crafty. He's knowledgeable. And he knows the scriptures and he knows prophecy concerning Jesus. But I I believe Satan was expecting the same thing everyone else was. In John chapter 6 and verse 14 says, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? I want you to think about that first passage in John 6. Jesus is performing miracles. You have people proclaiming and, and this particular one feeding the multitudes. And they, he says, you know what? This is the chosen one. This is the prophesied one. We need to go get him and we're going to make him our king. Was that Jesus' mission? <laughs> to be exalted on this earth as a king? But what did Satan think Jesus wanted? The same thing Satan would have wanted. What would Satan want? Satan would want men to bow down and worship him and exalt him on this earth as their king. And Jesus came to establish a kingdom separate and apart from this world. A spiritual kingdom. A kingdom that he was willing to lay down his life to purchase. Not to recruit a giant army to build his kingdom on this earth, but to lay down his life and that have people respond because of their love for his sacrifice and be members of that body in his kingdom. And then that eunuch is reading there in the prophet Isaiah, as Philip comes to him and he asks that question, who is this talking about? The Bible says in the next verse that Philip preached unto him Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come to be an exalted king, he came to be a suffering servant. Which was in direct opposition to anything Satan could have comprehended. Because his mind is dominated by what? Carnality and earthly, fleshly thoughts. You know, there were many that questioned Jesus, even his closest disciples. In John 12, verse 34, we see the people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? Jesus had told them. And they still didn't get it. In John 13, and verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2. Now when John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The one to prepare the way for Christ. The one that saw Jesus coming as he was there in the Jordan. Made that proclamation what? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He baptizes Jesus. And then he's thrown into prison. And notice what John asks. John had heard in the prison the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Doesn't that kind of confound you. why would John ask that? But John was a human being. And John was facing death in that prison. Because of his preaching and preparing the way of Jesus. And John was just seeking verification. Maybe just one more assurance that Jesus, you really are the one. Because John was going to be willing to die for him. But what this gets to is even those closest to Jesus, up until he dies and he's raised from the dead, they didn't get it. A lot of those things were still a mystery to them because these things were hidden. And whether they were hidden miraculously from God not allowing their minds to comprehend or just the reality that they were living a life day-to-day going about doing the work that they felt like they were called to do and they're not blessed as we are to be able to look back. <laughs> you know, i to tell you, it's very easy for us to be critical of those disciples, isn't it? How could you doubt? Well, we have their lives played out for us on the pages of the Bible. We see how the story ends. They were living it. It was difficult. In Luke 18, verses 31 through 34, Luke records, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Now notice verse 34. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. Even though Jesus had told them plainly. They didn't comprehend it. One of the reasons I believe they didn't comprehend it is because it was a story unlike any other story that they had ever heard. You're telling me you're going to go die, and three days later, you're going to come to life again. That's tough. That's tough to believe. Do you believe that tonight? If you do, the only thing keeping you from being saved and having your sins washed away is your obedience to Jesus' gospel. Eventually, all of those apostles and those disciples save Judas believed. And they began to preach the message of reconciliation through the cross of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Satan (laughs) may be brilliant, but in no way... Is he omniscient? John 14 and verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, Paul describes the natural man. Which would be after the, the mind and the attitude and the heart of Satan. He says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There is no spiritual discernment within Satan. He is only driven by lust and deception and power and control and lying and murder. And therefore, he doesn't know everything. And his knowledge is limited, and it was limited concerning Jesus and the power of God. One of the things that Satan underestimated was God's love for man. In John 17, Jesus prayed in those first two verses of that prayer. says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes unto heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus said, I came to give life eternal to those that you have given to me, and I will save them through the glorification of himself as the Son of God. And as Jesus faced the cross, he knew what was coming. And he said, Father, glorify your son. He's willing to suffer. And when Jesus died, the power to raise him from the dead lied not with his own hands. He was laying himself over into the hands of the Father. And God raised him up. And Satan can't understand that. You ever think about why? What, was, what is Satan? Satan was an angel, he was an angel created by God, right? He rebelled against God and he was cast out of heaven. Did he get a chance to repent and be saved? He didn't. And considering himself, he can't understand how God in his holiness and his righteousness could look at us as flawed, failed humanity... <laughs> And forgive us of our sins. Because he didn't do it for the angels. But you know what the angels had that we didn't? They were in the presence of God. And they chose to rebel. You and I walk not by sight. We walk by faith. I want to tell you, God is patient with us. Aren't you grateful for that? That God looks at us and says, you know what? I'm going to give them time. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to give them opportunity to hear my gospel and the teaching about Jesus Christ and for their hearts to be pricked and convicted of sin and then to be obedient and responsive to the love that he offered to humanity in Jesus' death on the cross. And Satan accuses God of being wholly unloving. And he did that from the beginning. Genesis 3 and 5 is Satan was tempting Eve and he says... You won't die if you eat that fruit. He says the reality is God doesn't love you. Because God knows that the day you eat of it, then you're going to be like Him. And God is just keeping you from enjoying something that would be a great benefit to you. Because if you'll eat this fruit, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's, knowing good and evil. And He played upon the lust." And the pride of Adam and Eve. And guess what they did? They ate the fruit, didn't they? And forever changed this world. But Satan's accusation against God was that God was unloving. You know what the cross does? It answers that question forever. Because no one can look at a God... That would sacrifice his only begotten son and accuse him of being unloving to his creation. Young people, you know why your parents give you rules? I'll tell you it's because they love you. They want to protect you. You know why God gave Adam and Eve rules? Because he wanted to protect them. He wasn't trying to keep them from learning or knowing something so they could be like him. He loved them so much, he gave them those rules and they violated that and they suffered the consequences of it. you. God loves you so much that he gave you rules and laws and commandments to live by, but most importantly, he gave you a savior. Don't ever question God's love for you. Don't ever question your value to God. Don't ever question whether you're important to God because he answered that question at the cross. And Jesus' cross does what Satan couldn't imagine. Colossians 1 and 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He delivers us and with that gives us membership into his kingdom. Out of the kingdom of darkness, which is ruled by who? Satan. Into the kingdom of his dear son. And in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Listen to this. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Satan's defeated. The only power he has is the perceived power that you and I allow him to have in our life. When Jesus died and rose again, he defeated him and took any perceived power that Satan had and said, you don't have power over these people anymore. They've been delivered. They've been set free. You ever wonder why God doesn't just destroy Satan? I've thought that. Could God destroy Satan anytime he wanted to? He created him. He can destroy him. I remember my dad saying, I brought you into this world, and it's for sure I can take you out. God created He could destroy him anytime he wanted to. The psalmist said, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee? No one. But God's plan wasn't just to destroy Satan. It was to refute the accusation that Satan made. If he had just destroyed Satan, then how would we know to respond to him in love because of his love for us? Doesn't the Bible teach us that we love him because he first loved us? And that love was on display where? At the cross. Let me put it to you this way How many of you have ever struggled with sin? You know, as you work through that sin and that process of repentance, is it fun? Is your heart broken because of your sin? Are there tears? Is there pain? Is there difficult self reflection? But as you overcome that sin and you get stronger spiritually, isn't there a lot of joy? Isn't there a deeper trust in God and His promises? You see, that's what life's about. It's not about just taking evil away, it's about us understanding that there's no evil. That we have to be subject to. And we can rise above that evil through the power of the gospel of Christ. And have a deeper more meaningful relationship with our creator. And God's plan was a mystery to Satan. Though he knew Jesus. No he had known Jesus longer than anybody on this earth knew Jesus. He didn't know the plan. 1 Corinthians 2 and 6 says, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor are the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. Who's the prince of this world? Who's the ruler of this world? Satan, he couldn't know the plan of God. You know that angels, good angels today, you know how they know the will and the plan of God as it's on display in his church? Could you imagine that? We're jealous of angels, aren't we? We think of angels and say, man, what an amazing thing to be an angel of God. And the angels are looking down at us and saying, man, what a plan of redemption what a marvelous institution that God created through the death of his son in creating this kingdom. And they look in and they desire to understand the manifold wisdom of God that's on display through his people. And no angel, including Satan himself, understood this mystery until, until Jesus was already dead. 1 Peter 1 talks about the gospel. And how angels desire to look into that gospel because that gospel is a gospel of forgiveness and reconciliation. And those angels that fell from God had no second chance of repentance and restoration. But you and I do. Tonight, where's your soul? It's a pretty important question. Because it's in one of two places it's safe in the hands of Jesus, or it's in the hands of Satan. And if you stay in your sin, you are allowing yourself to please the devil. Because you're keeping a soul from being added to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. How long are you going to be Satan's pawn? How long are you going to allow him to have power over your life and stay in sin? How long is it going to take till you wake up and truly repent and understand the gravity of what you've done? I know it's not pleasant. You ought to feel guilty. You ought to feel shame. But that guilt and shame brings about repentance. And that repentance brings about salvation. And Jesus' blood is available to you tonight. Last passage I want to share is Revelation 12 and 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. You know why he had such great wrath? Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Satan knows that he's lost. Satan knows there's coming a day in which he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And those angels that rebelled with him will suffer for eternity. And the souls of them that never obey the gospel will go to that place with them. And because Satan knows that, he's busy wreaking havoc in this world and in our life. But tonight you can rob Satan of that joy. (laughs) And you can cause angels in heaven to rejoice if you would repent and come to Christ. Tonight, have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? It's a simple process. The Bible is very clear that it's through that that we come in contact with the blood of Christ that was shed at the cross that delivers us out of the power of darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ. And you have that opportunity tonight are you a Christian who's done that but you know your soul is not secure in Jesus then you need to repent you need prayers and you need to be reconciled to your God I want to tell you God's love is extended through this invitation to you tonight and if you would accept it you can become his child or you can return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls, and all it takes is one step. Oh, why not tonight? Please come while we stand and sing. Oh, let the God. Close thy eyes against the light, for her heart and not your heart, be saved to die.